Welcome to the podcast of Christ Covenant Church, congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America, located in the township of Langley, British Columbia. My name is Gary Vanderveen, and I'm the senior pastor here. If you would like to know more about our congregation, please visit us online at www.langleychurch.org. Over the past few weeks, we have been looking at how we are to approach God in prayer. We are not to pray as hypocrites who actually do not pray to God, uh, for they are far more interested in being heard and seen by others. We are not to pray as Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles do pray to God, but they misunderstand who God is, and so they pray wrongly. The Gentiles pray to a God that needs to be manipulated, a God who needs to be bought to be heard. So we pray neither as hypocrites nor as Gentiles, but we pray as children. We pray as adopted children of our Heavenly Father. And this morning we come to the first petition of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be your name. If you are at all familiar with the Lord's Prayer, you know that it's divided into six petitions, and the first three petitions address our concern for God, His kingdom, for the things of heaven, and the second three, the last three petitions, address our concern for our neighbor. And so in this sense, the Lord's Prayer actually has a structure very similar to the Ten Commandments. Love for God is the first and great commandment. And so in the first three petitions of the Lord's Prayer, we pray for God's glory, we pray for God's name, we pray for God's kingdom. And love for neighbor is the second great commandment. And so in the last three petitions, we pray for all the needs of mankind. And as I say, this morning we come to the first petition, hallowed be your name. In Proverbs 22, verse 1, Solomon says, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And this is not only true for us, right? We, we all want a good name. We all want a good reputation. We, we all want people to respect us and think that think well of us when they, they hear our name. Oh yeah, Gary, he's a good man. We, we, we want that. We want a good name. It's not only true for us, but this is also true for God. God wants his name to be honored. God wants his name to be praised. God wants his name to be revered. God wants his name to be adored. And he wants us... He wants us, his people, to have a deep and an abiding concern for his name. And so this morning I want to begin by noting the significance of names in the Bible. What what do names mean? Why are names important? And more particularly, why does God's name matter? Why, why would we pray 
that God's name, why do we pray that God's name uh, would be hallowed? Well, in the Bible, names mean something. They have great significance. And we see that right at the very beginning of the creation story. We see that when Adam names the animals. Moses tells us that Adam gave the animals their names, and whatever he named them, that was their name. And, and the point is, uh, and if you read the commentators, you'll, you'll read long discussions about this, but the point is that there's actually a correspondence between the name and the thing that is named. Okay, so you can think of it this way. Adam named the cats cats because a cat is a cat. A cat is not a dog. There is actually a correspondence, a relationship between the name and reality, the name and the thing, right? So a name, I'm, we're not going to get into this in great detail this morning, but a name is not an arbitrary thing. It's not simply a social convention that the postmodern theorists would have you believe. Okay? There, there actually is a, 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 a real relationship between the name and the thing named. And so Adam exercises his kingship by giving appropriate names to the creatures. Names reflect what the creature is. Names correspond to the creature. And, and the same idea applies to God. God is his names. Okay, let me say that again. God is his names. All the names that we read about him in scripture are names that reflect who he is. They are names that tell us who he is. They tell us something important about him, right? These names, the names of God are not arbitrarily assigned to him by himself, nor are they arbitrarily assigned to him by human beings. God gives us his names because they reveal to us who he is and what he does. And the people that we read in scripture who give names to God do so because those names tell us something about who God is and what he does. So very briefly, let's consider uh, two examples. And by the way, is the, is the YouTube working? I don't see the light on. Is it working? No, we have no YouTube this morning. Sorry, people. Okay, so consider the following two examples. In Genesis 22, Abraham calls the place where God provides a lamb, a ram, Jehovah Jireh, which means Yahweh provides. And this is a name that sticks. It's, it's, it's not simply a name that refers to that place where God gave Abraham a ram to sacrifice so that he, he, he didn't have to sacrifice his only begotten son, Isaac, but it becomes a name of God himself. Yahweh provides. And as you know, or you may not know, the place where Abraham was, was Mount Moriah. And this is the very mountain where Solomon later builds the temple of God. And commentators have often noted the connection between this name, Jehovah Jireh, or Yahweh provides, 
And the sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice, the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus. Yahweh, the God who provides the way of salvation through substitutionary sacrifice. This is who God is. Yahweh provides. Yahweh provides salvation. This is what God does. Yahweh provides salvation through sacrifice. Oh, the YouTube is working. It's just frozen. The video is frozen. They do have audio. So you probably don't want to unplug it. The joys of technology. Or think of Exodus chapter 3. Okay, in Exodus chapter 3, Moses is tending uh, the flock, uh, the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro, and he comes to Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb, of course, is the mountain of God, and it is most likely Mount Sinai. And God appears to Moses in a flame of fire in the burning bush, and God reveals himself to Moses. He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is who God is. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of your fathers. And then God tells Moses what he must do. God says to Moses, I've heard the cry of my people, and you, Moses, you must go to Pharaoh, and you must bring my firstborn son, you must bring my people out of the land of Egypt. Now, Moses is worried. Uh, I mean, who am I? And why, why, will, why would they listen to me? Why will Pharaoh listen to me? Why will the people of Israel listen to me? Uh, who do I tell Who do I tell? Pharaoh and Israel, who do I tell, has sent me. And God responds with the words, I am who I am. I am has sent you. God uses the verb to be. And this becomes the covenant name of God. I am the God who is. I am the God who was, who is, and forever shall be. I am the God who has always existed. I am the God who is self-sufficient. I am the God from eternity past to eternity future. I am the uncaused cause. I am the God with no beginning and no end. I am. And there is none like me. God is his name. I am. God is the God who needs nothing. He's completely self-sufficient. The God who has no need outside of himself. And this is the God who has bound himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is his name. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God who loves his son Israel. The God who delivers his son Israel from the tyranny of Egypt. And we could look this morning at all the names of God. We, we could spend hours doing that. And what we would discover is that each name reveals something about God, who he is and what he does. And so when we pray that God's name would be hallowed, we are in, in effect praying that God himself would be hallowed. Okay? And that's an interesting word, isn't it? Hallowed. We don't use that word very often, and some of us might not even know what it means. 
Well, the word hallow is simply the verbal form of the word holy. Okay, so to hallow something is to make something holy. Right, so to, to, to make a new word, to, to hallow is to holify. Right, you take something and you holify it. You make it holy. Our Father in heaven, make your name be holy. Holify your name. Grant that we, your people, and all people would make your name holy. Well, that raises another question. Well, what does holy mean? Well, holy, in one sense, it has a variety of meanings, but in one sense, uh, holy simply means to set apart, to belong to a class all by itself and to be used in a very specific way. So you can think in the Old Testament, God makes a number of things holy. God, God makes Israel holy. Of all the nations of the earth, God sets Israel apart. He makes Israel holy so that Israel might have a particular job, a particular task, that Israel might be a missionary people and through her missionary work draw all the nations to the one true and living God. But God not only makes Israel holy, within Israel, he sets one tribe apart. He makes the tribe of Levi holy. And, and the tribe of Levi, uh, they are the pastors and preachers uh, in Israel, and they assist in the tabernacle and temple. So God sets apart Israel, uh, and within Israel, he sets apart uh, the Levites. And within the tribe of Levi, he sets apart one family. And he makes the, the sons of Aaron also holy. They're set apart. The sons of Aaron are the ones who lead Israel in sacrificial worship. It is the sons of Israel who inspect the animal sacrifices. It is the sons of, Is, uh, of, of Aaron who offer the sacrifices in the tabernacle and, and, and temple. And so God makes them holy. He sets them apart and their work is in the tabernacle and temple. And so God makes the tabernacle and temple holy. He sets them apart. And so God sets aside the nation, the tribe, the family, and the furniture uh, the, of the tabernacle and the temple for one express purpose, to save all the nations of the earth. And God himself is holy. And God sets himself apart from all that he has made, right? He is the creator, and everything else is the creation. He is the creator of all things, and there is no other. He is the sustainer and upholder of all things, and there is no other. He is the savior, and there is no other. And, and God commands us to recognize him as such, to acknowledge him as such, to worship him as such, to adore him as such. 
He is set apart from all of creation because he is not part of the creation. He is the creator of creation. And he is the only creator. And so we are to love his names because we love him and his names reveal to us who he is. And in fact, as I've said, his names, uh, God is his names. Yahweh, I am who I am. Jesus, Yahweh saves. Christ, or the Hebrew Messiah, the anointed one. The one who came to crush the head of the serpent. And we must remember, brothers and sisters, we must remember that God is one and that all his attributes are equally present. There is no primary attribute. So you can, right, so God is love, God is justice, God is righteousness, God is truth, and, and so on and so forth. These are his attributes. And there's no primary attribute. It's not like God is love before he is all of these other things. He's all of these things all at once in, 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 and, 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 and in equal measure. But it is interesting to note that of all the attributes the Bible mentions of, about God, the Bible speaks of God's holiness in a unique way. One could even say that God's holiness is set apart from his other attributes. So think, for example, of Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, where the seraphim cry out one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And, and we read of uh, uh, those same words in, in Revelation 4, verse 8, where the, where the four living creatures sing day and night without ceasing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Now, what's remarkable about this is that the Bible never mentions any of the other attributes of God three times in this way. The Bible never says, for example, love, love, love is the Lord God Almighty. The Bible never says, for example, compassion, compassion, compassion is the Lord God Almighty. But it does speak this way of God's holiness. He is set apart. He is three times set apart. He is transcendent. He is above us, beyond us, and set apart from us. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the Bible tells us that we must be concerned about God's holiness. Now, I don't know how well you were paying attention this morning when Theo read the Old Testament lesson. But there in Ezekiel chapter 36, we read of God's wrath being poured out upon his people Israel. And the question we need to ask is, why? Why was God's wrath poured out 
against his people Israel. Why did he send them into exile? Why did he sell them into slavery to the Assyrians and then to the Babylonians? And the answer, of course, is because they profaned the name of God. They had no concern for the holy name of God, the hallowed name of God. They did not hallow the name of God. And the question that follows, of course, is this. Well, how did they profane the name of God? How did they fail to hallow the name of God? And the answer, of course, is that it wasn't primarily in their speech. It wasn't like they refused to respect the name of, of God with their lips. I mean, Israel was famous for showing honor to the name of God with their lips. They, they even refused to speak the covenant name of God. In Israel, you could not actually utter the word Yahweh. It was forbidden because we're supposed to Honor and hallow God's name, revere God's name, set it apart. And it was set apart so much so that you could not even speak it. You could not utter it. But Israel did profane the name of God. They refused to hallow the name of God by their gross immorality. They claimed to be God's people, but they lived far worse than the pagans. Paul writes of this in Romans 2. We read it this morning. You who boast in the law, Paul says, you dishonor God by breaking the law, and the Gentiles profane the name of God because of the way you live. The Gentiles spit upon the name of God because you of all people are the most hypocritical. You take the name of God upon you and you refuse to live in light of that name. Your lifestyle does not match your profession. Brothers and sisters, hallowing the name of God is primarily about the way we live. It's not first and foremost about our talk. It's first and foremost about our walk. How we live. Do we live in a way that honors God? Do we live in a way that is consistent with his revealed will that we find in Holy Scripture? As Paul writes to this, the, the chosen missionary people of God. He urges them to prepare their minds for action, to set their hope fully upon the grace that will be given to them when Jesus returns. And he says to them as obedient children, be holy since God himself is holy. Right? God, God created us. The God who is self-sufficient. The God who has no need outside of himself. This is the God who delighted to make us to live with him. He who needed no fellowship with us delights in fellowship with us. He, he wants us to, to have communion with him. He wants us to talk with him. He wants us to walk with him. But in order for us to do this, we need to live 
like he lives. We need to think like he thinks. We need to walk like he walks. We need to love the things that he loves. We need to hate the things that he hates. We need to be holy like he is holy. And so to hallow God's name is to walk the walk, right? It's to walk, it's to, to walk the Christian life. It is to walk by faith. It is to humble ourselves before God and pursue obedience. Yes, pursue obedience. Obedience matters. We love obedience. We long to be obedient children of God because we long to be with Him. We long to be holy even as He is holy. And so we must have a deep, an abiding passion for the holiness of God. We must burn with a desire for God's holiness. Hallowed be your name. May your name be holy. May your name be set apart from all of creation. And may we, your people, be so consumed with your greatness, your majesty, your glory, your power, your perfections, that we live in accordance with your revealed will. So that the peoples around us might see that there is a God in heaven and believe. Hallowed be your name. Holy, holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty.